Today's year will begin at the third line from the top, where the Gemara quotes from the Mishnah, Niseis Alpi Beisdin, Teitsei, and it said, went on in the Mishnah to say, uh, she must uh, leave both husbands, Uptura Min HaKorban. She is exempt from bringing a sacrifice, a sin offering. Before we begin the Gemara text itself, we glance at the side <coughs> where we have a no say a topic heading. Niseis Alpi Beistin, Beidusa Shel Eid a woman whose husband had gone abroad, and word came through the testimony of one a singular witness that the man died, and based on a court uh, ruling, she went uh, and married someone else. And then the husband showed up. According to our Mishnah, she is exempt from bringing a sin offering. A sin offering is that which would be brought in the case of a person who on their own inadvertently committed adultery, uh, not realizing whom they were having relations with. They would then bring a korban chatos. In this case that happened. You have a woman whose husband showed up, but she had married based on the ruling of the court that said that you can marry someone else after this singular witness had showed up. So this is a case of a yochid shosa or somach, or you could say relied, al hoiroas based in, and hence the opinion of our Mishnah is a Yochid Shosa al Smach Hiras Beistin is exempt from a sin offering. There's a difference between someone acting on their own and something someone acting with the authority of the court. Muvaba Gemara Ayadeziri in the Gemara Ziri will introduce a Brisa Shesoyber that holds the Mikreshel Isha Shenises Al P Aid Echad a woman who married a second man because of the testimony of a singular witness, even though the court ruled that she can marry, a no begeder hoira. That is not considered a court ruling. A court ruling which would result in an exemption from a korban. It is considered a mistake. There is a new halachic category that we're being in, introduced to here, and that is this concept of an individual being exempt from a sacrifice because they acted upon the ruling of the basin. That's when it's categorized as a ruling, as opposed to something being categorized as a mistake that the court made. Exactly what's the difference between a court ruling and a mistake? So we're going to see what that is when we go through the Gemara and maybe we'll take a look at Rashi a distinction made between something that uh, when subsequently revealed it's obvious to all that a mistake was made as opposed to a ruling that is based on we'll say court analysis or court logic that may subsequently be shown to be incorrect but the fact that it's, it's discovered to be incorrect afterwards is not a function of something that is obvious to all uh, to all around so the the issue is the woman who had married based on the testimony of a singular witness and the eventually the husband the original husband shows up 
Is this considered an act on the woman's part of reliance upon a court ruling, and hence exempt from a korban, as our Mishnah indicates? Or is it a, a woman that is said to have made a mistake, even though the court may have given her license to marry the second fellow, it's not a function of a court ruling, but rather a mistake. And if a mistake is made, so then a person has to bring a personal sin offering. The Gemara. Omar Ziri. And we've highlighted the names Ziri and Rav Nachman with a double underline. And on the, under our Mivne heading, on the side of the Gemara, we indicate Cholkim. These two opinions are in, uh, uh, arguing Im Lifsokim Mishnosenu O Kabraisa. Should we accept the ruling of our Mishnah, hence exemption from sacrifice, or the ruling of the other Tanakh source, the Brisa, which says otherwise? Omar Ziri. The, we're reading the Gemara, four lines from the top. We're not going to accept the Mishnah in face of, or rather, we will accept the Brisa taught in the base Medrash. The Tani Bay Medrash, the following was taught in the base Medrash as a Tanaic source. Horu Beisdin, Shishoka Chama. If on a Saturday afternoon, the Beisdin ruled that the sun set and you can now go ahead and do Malach, the setting of the sun indicating the end of Shabbos then the sun re-shone forth that is not considered a court ruling in other words if people then did Malacha based on the court having declared that the sun set and then the sun reappears uh, that uh, the uh, the malacha done by the people is not considered reliance on a court ruling but rather a mistake and hence they will be obligated to bring a sin offering so using this as a backdrop so too says Yuri is the case in our Mishnah where the husband shows up so it's obvious to all that the uh, testimony of the original witness and the court ruling was a mistake, not a horoa. And now we take a look at the Rashi on the first narrow line. Ein zu the yochid par kishar. Helam Dovar. These are not examples of reliance upon a court. That when a mistaken court ruling transpires, in fact, either the individual who relied on the court or the public who relied on the court, there is a special cow offering, a par Helam Dovar Shatsibor, a cow is brought which in, in, in order to atone for the uh, mis- misjudgment or the uh, misruling of the court. But that's not the case over here. Elo kol echad, everyone who, let's say, did molacha prematurely before the end of Shabbos, they will, everyone will bring their own personal kisva osira, a sheep or goat uh, offering. She'en zeh helem dover elotos. This is not called helem dover. Helem dover is an expression literally meaning hidden a, a hidden fact, a hidden matter. A hidden matter is a 
in this case, a mistake that the, the a, 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 a wrong court ruling. But that's it's not classified. This example of the sun setting and our case of the witness showing the sh- witness and the subsequent husband showing up is not categorized in in, the, in this legal category of halem dovar elotois. It's a simple mistake. Kisvurim sheba ba'olam dovar shaloba. They thought that there entered the world a a phenomenon that really had not come. It becomes obvious now to everybody that it was a mistake. So too, in the case of our Mishnah, there was a mere mistake. People thought he was dead. Here, the husband walks into court. He walks in front of us. And everyone sees. Rather, the... A uh, woman had relied on the singular witness, and that's not called reliance on the court for its hoyro'a. Continuing in the Gemara, V'Rav Nachman Omar hoyro'hi. The uh, opinion of Rav Nachman is, is that the woman's marriage to the second, uh, to the second man was... Uh, a, a function of her relying on a court ruling. Omar of Nachman, Teda Dehoirohi. I will show you, I will prove to you that the case of the woman's marriage to the second husband based on the singular witness is a case of a woman relying on the court ruling. She was relying on the court's ruling and she wasn't relying on the sole witness. And how do we know she was relying on the court? In all of the Torah, we know that a singular witness is not believed. And here, he, he was believed. Why was he believed over here? Is it not because... The court issued a ruling, and it was upon the court's ruling that she relied. Now we take a look at Rashi. It was through the fact that the court issued a ruling that she can marry, that she married. And it's upon them that she was dependent. And not on the witness. In other Torah matters, one witness is not believed. And here, he is believed. The Torah doesn't grant believability to that singular witness. Rather, it's the court that granted believability to him. And it was based on their ruling that she married the second man. We can turn back to the Gemara. Omar Rava, Teda de Tosu. Rava uh, seems to take the approach of Ziiri in the sense that this is not to be categorized, the case of our mission is not to be categorized as a hurrah, but rather it's a case of Tos. And this is a long point you can see that Rava makes now. And he goes on to explain. The ilu horu based in bechelivu bedam 
if a court had ruled regarding a certain section of an animal that the chelev or the, the blood is allowed then the court found a, more, a strong more convincing reason to prohibit the chelev and dam so there was a, an initial ruling of heter, of permission and then a subsequent stronger ruling of prohibition. Kihadri v'amri lehetera. When they continue and, and, and then again have a turnaround and issue a, a ruling of permission with a, a weak kind of answer. Loi mashkechinon lehu. We're not going to listen to their turn, their, their turn of opinion and and uh, allow, it will remain usur. Uh, we can say that that's a, a, the reason for that is, is that the, uh, the, there was a court ruling that was rejected. After that initial court ruling of, uh, of, of permission, it was rejected with the strong ruling of prohibition. So a, a court ruling, once it's rejected, it remains rejected. You know, you can't resurrect a, 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 a um, something classified as a court ruling given under, let's say, weak circumstances. You can't resurrect a weak court ruling with a subsequent weak answer after it's been rejected by a strong ruling of prohibition. Ve'ilu hecha de'osa'eid echod sharina. Now we look at our case with the woman. One witness came saying the husband was dead. And we allow her. Asutre Asarna. Then two witnesses come and say he's not dead. And that's a very that's stronger than two witnesses countering the one witness of course much stronger. We would then pro- prohibit her. Kihadar also aid Ahrina when a subsequent singular witness would come again. This is uh, similar to the appearance of the first witness. Here, uh, 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 on a second occasion, another sole witness comes saying that he's dead. That he's dead now. Sharina law. We would allow her. We would allow her to marry a second man. What does that show you about the appearance of the first witness? If the appearance of the first witness and the courts allowing her was classified as a court ruling, as a hirah, it could not be resurrected by the latter appearance of a, of a second soul witness. And yet, here, we do accept the testimony of that second soul witness that appears. My time, huh? Why is this? Lav mishum detosu? Is it not because we view the appearance of the original witness saying that he was dead as a mere mistake. Something that's a mere mistake. When, uh, uh, when there's subsequent testimony concerning that matter, uh, a mistake can be undone so we can, we can operate, let's say, differently. Let's take a look at Rashi. My time, love me shum damrinon. Aid kamo the first witness that said he was dead. Atayon, 
he were, he, 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 he caused us to err. Tos, Atayon, he caused us to err, thinking, to think that he was dead. And then, of course, you had the, the two subsequent witnesses that came that said he was still alive. Vahai Basro Mehemon, the, the uh, latter sole witness that came that said, in fact, he was dead, he is believed. If you were to say that the first witness was uh, that that said he was still alive, and and upon the court ruling is that which we relied. When the second group of witnesses, the two witnesses come, that indicate that our our hayra was not a good hayra, that our ruling was not a good ruling. How could we go back to the first opinion, the first stance that we had taken of permission? And yet we are doing that. That shows that the initial ruling was not classified as a hayra, but we're viewing it simply as a mistake. And being that it's viewed as a mistake, it gives room for us to then later accept the testimony of the sole singular witness. So that, just to go over the, the general rule, and, and that, that is that a, a court ruling, once undone by, uh, let's say, stronger forces, cannot, the original court ruling cannot be resuscitated. Uh, resuscitated through another, let's say, weak form of resuscitation. However, a, an original court statement that's based on a mistake even though subsequently strong uh, evidence comes to counter the mistake, it, however, that original position can be resuscitated because the original position was not a court ruling, but rather a mistake. Now we go back to the Gomorrah text. The Af Rebbe Eliezer Sovar de Tolzhu. And likewise, the Tano Rebbe Eliezer holds that the reliance on the singular witness is viewed as a mistake and the result of that is is that this woman who marries a uh, second husband on on based on the information the singular witness provided when the original husband shows up she will have to bring a sacrifice because she was functioning relying on the witness and not relying on the court ruling Desanya we have the source in which Rebelezer appears Rebelezer Omer Yikoiv Hadin Esahar. Literally, let the uh, the law penetrate the mountain, which basically means let us get let let us get to the bottom of things. The Tavi Chatos Shmena, and she will bring a a wholesome, a fat sin offering. Now, this this source was stated in a somewhat in a in a vacuum, but uh, Rashi gives uh, the important background. Rashi Yikov Hadin Esahor, Benises Alpi Beisdin. When a woman gets married based on the uh, ruling of the court, that she can get married, and not the ruling of, not the testimony of two witnesses. Loyam Rinon, we do not say Alpi Beisdin Hu Umiftura, that her behavior was because of reliance on the court and hence would be exempt. Ella, Hulchin Achar Oimek Hadvorim. We rather look at the depth of the matter. We look into it deeply. 
the issue here is a function of reliance on a mistake that aid Samach. She was relying on the witness, the Tovi, she was relying on the witness that said he was dead and not relying on the court. So now we continue in the Gemara text. If you say, as uh, Rava wants to maintain, that reliance on the singular witness and her, her subsequent marriage was based on him, and hence it's classified as a mistake, it's for that reason that she brings a sacrifice. If you say that her, hers was a reliance upon the court, why should she bring a sacrifice? One who behaves uh, in accordance with a court ruling and, and reliant upon the court ruling is exempt from bringing a sacrifice when things turn out to be uh, mistaken. The Gemara asks, who says that Rebbe Lozer's insistence on bringing the sacrifice is indicative of this being classified as a mistake? The Dilma Kosov Rebbe maybe Rebbe is of the opinion that that a singular individual, as opposed to a public, as a tzibor, a singular individual who acts in accordance with a court ruling that turns out to be erroneous, is actually obligated to bring a sacrifice. You know, even though he was reliant upon the court. The Gemara says, no, that's not Rebbe Lezer's opinion. In Cain, if that were his opinion, Ma Yikov Hadin what does he mean by saying, let's get to the bottom of things? If we look at the Rashi, In Cain, Ma Yikov Hulei, Hachi, from the fact that he added that, Yikov Hadin Esahar, Mashma the Elo Mainin Bo Shapir, it implies that if we were not to look into it deeply, Lafum Riata have a uh, on a superficial level we would have in fact exempted her now the superficial level of looking at things is yeah she was relying on the court's ruling and a person who relies on a court ruling in general is exempt but but uh, Rebbe Lezer is saying don't look at it like that in other words in truth one who would be in reliance on the court they would be exempt and, and not like the Gemara tried to uh, uh, um, deflect this by saying that Reb Lezer holds a private person who relies on a court ruling in fact is obligated not so but in this case when we look at things deeply we discover she wasn't really relying on the court she was relying on the witness that said he was dead and because of that she has to bring a sin offering not uh, as, 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 as a result of her not being a person that was really relying on the court ruling. We continue with a quote from the Mishnah, The court uh, had ruled that the woman, after the appearance of the singular witness that the husband was dead, ruled she can marry a second man. This expression is what the Gemara will be focusing on. The Mishnah goes on to say, She's obligated to bring a sacrifice because she didn't behave in accordance with the court ruling. The court 
indicated she can go and marry a second man, but she went ahead and was Kilkila. The, of course, uh, what what happened? Uh, let, let's first before we go in uh, uh, with the Gemara, we look at the side of our Gemara under the Nosei, the topic heading. Machloikis Rebelozov Rabbi Yochanan Eich Lefaresh Hadikotani the Holcha Bear in mind that when we speak about this woman uh, receiving a court ruling, the the husband then shows up. Uh, up till now, we've been discussing a case where after the court ruling, the woman went and married a second husband. Here, however. She didn't do that. She didn't go and marry a second husband. She rather went and was Kilkila. And then the husband showed up. So what does that mean, Kilkila? So we on the side we've indicated it's Machlokis Rebelozer Rabbi Yochanan Eich Lefarish Hadikotani Volchov Kilkila. Rebelozer says Zinsa. Zinsa means an act of harlotry. She went and had a she had a one night stand with somebody. Bear in mind, of course, the husband eventually shows up. Turns out that she's a married woman having done that. Rabbi Yochanan says that Holchav Kilkala is, is a reference to a widow going ahead and marrying a Kohen Gadol or a divorcee going and marrying a Kohen Hedyo. That's Kilkala. So now the Gemara. My Kilkala, Rabbi Lozer Omer, Zinsa. An act of harlotry. Rabbi Yochanan Omar, Almona Lukoyen Gadol, Grusha, Vachlus Koyen Hedyo. Man di Omar Zinsa, according to Rabbi Lozer, that what this woman did after the court accepted the testimony of the singular witness, uh, giving her license to go off and marry, she went in and did an act of harlotry. So Rabbi Lozer, who holds that that's what happened, called Shekane Almona Lukoyen Gadol, all the more so. If it were a uh, a widow uh, who uh, went went ahead and, and married a kohen gadol, or it was a, a divorcee that went ahead and married a kohen hedyot, the court certainly did not give her license to do that. According to Rabbi Yochanan, that interpreted kilkula was that was was uh, that case specifically the almona. Going off and marrying Kohen Gadol or a Grusha marrying a Kohen Hedyot. But if she were to have committed an act of harlotry, so then she would be exempt from bringing the sacrifice. My time Why? The court, after all, it gave her a, a, a heter to marry someone else. So Rabbi Yochanan explains. Because she can say the Omra, she says she has a claim. Atun, who the Shavisuni Pnuya, you, the court made me into a Pnuya, who is an unmarried woman, and as a result, I relied on your ruling. I'm a Yochid Shesomachalras Besin, and I'm therefore exempt from bringing a sacrifice. The act of harlotry, Znus. It's not something that's inherently, uh, let's say, prohibited in the in a strict Torah sense. Uh, don't take us, don't get us wrong. We're not allowing harlotry, but uh, a one night fling uh, that's done by a uh, penuyah, an unmarried woman, 
uh, with a man is not something that uh, one can easily say is, is a Torah prohibited. So that when the uh, court indicated she can marry another man, the court in effect was saying, you are now unmarried. And as a result of that, she did the, the znus, the act of znus, but that doesn't necessitate, that will not necessitate the bringing of a carbon, because as we said, she was in reliance on the court. Even though later the, the husband in fact showed up and she, uh, she did something that's, that's seriously wrong, an act of znus with a married woman. However, in the interim, before the husband showed up, she was relying on the court, establishing her as a single woman. And that spirit of things, she went ahead and conducted the znus. Tanyo Kavosei de Rabbi Yochanan, a Tanaic source that supports Rabbi Yochanan's interpretation of Kilkala, Hayrua based in Linose, Kilkala. That's the same phrase we saw in the Mishnah, but here the Bryce is more elaborate, and this is where Rabbi Yochanan derives his support. Kagoin, what do you mean by Kilkala? Example, Almona Lukain, Godol, Grusha, Vachalutza, Lukain, Hediot. She is going to be obligated to bring a sacrifice. Uh, a sin offering for each act of intimacy. The court never gave permission for an almona to go ahead and marry a Kohen Gadol or a divorcee to marry a Kohen Hedyo. So she was not relying on the court. She was acting on her own and as such it's, be- it's then revealed when the husband shows up that she was an Aishasi, she's a married woman having relations with someone else. And therefore, for each act of intimacy, a separate sacrifice will be needed. Divrei Rebbe That's the opinion of the Tana Rebbe Lozer. The Chalim disagree with Rebbe Lozer and say that we will, uh, it will suffice to have one sin offering brought for all the acts of intimacy that she had with that one man. The Chaman will concede to Rebbe Lozer, to his idea of multiple sacrifices. If this woman, uh, after having heard that her husband was dead, went ahead and married five different men, married and divorced, married and divorced, five different men, each separate man that she was with will generate a separate sin offering. Hayul the Gufin Muchlokim, since she was with separate, literally separate bodies, I mean separate individuals, that that will generate Gufin Muchlokim will generate multiple sacrifices. However, multiple acts with the same man, according to the Chumim, will not generate the obligation of multiple sacrifices. And now we have a new Mishnah on the side of the Gemara. We introduce this section by the following Mikrim, Shonim, different cases, Shel Isha, Shaholach, Bailo, Lemedina Sayam, what will be uh, uh, uniform or, or constant through all the different cases is involves a woman whose husband went abroad. The Omru La Shemes, and she was informed that he died. The then later something is switched around and that will be the matters will be switched around that will become self-explanatory as we go through the Mishnah uh, different uh, geometric forms are used here to highlight the triangle highlights Mikrim, Akshurim, Yibum these are cases that are associated with questions involving Yibum 
And the diamond introduces mikrim shel eishes ish. Cases involving uh, matters that are relevant to a married woman. Once again, this will become much clearer as we go through the Mishnah. Ho'isha, we're in the Mishnah text. Ho'isha shaholach bailo uvno lemedina sayam. A woman whose husband and son, or child, went abroad. Uvol v'yomrulah, and then she was told, meis ba'alech v'achakach meis b'nech. That your husband died, and after your husband died, his son died. Your son, which is his son, died. So you have a situation of a man who, when he died, he left a child in the world. If, if that were the end of the story, we would be describing a woman that would have no connection, no yibum bond to his surviving brother. And as such, she would go and marry Lashuk. And that's what happened over here. Venises. That's what Venise meant. She went and married Lashuk. And then she was told that the opposite took place. Namely, that first the child died, and then the husband died. In his death, he died then without children. And as such, a Yibum bond does or is present regarding the woman. But in the meantime, the woman had married someone else, an outsider. She is to uh, leave the outsider that she married and the, the children that she has. The Mishnah talks about the, the first and last children, but that will be um, clarified by the Gemara. But their Mamzerus has been created. Now, how has Mamzerus been created? Well, this Mishnah, Rashi points out, is in accordance with Rabbi Akiva that says illegitimacy can be the product of lavim as well. Not only relationships that are very serious that carry with them, say, a, a capital punishment or the kores punishment, but even lower level offenses that are merely negative commands also can generate Mamzerus. And that's what we have over here. We have a Yavoma Lashuk. A Yavoma, this is a woman who's, who, in truth, is bound, has a Yibum uh, b- um, bind, binding upon her. She's Zikuka Yavam. And it's Usr on a. Losia Eshes Amesa Chutza, the Pasuk says that the Yavoma, the woman who's bound to the Yavam, is not allowed to marry outside. And she did. So she was in violation of a negative command, and that creates children that are mamzerim. Omru law, another case. Meis benech. V'yachakach meis balech. A woman was told that her, her son died, and then her husband died. Well, if that be the case, so then her husband died, leaving no children. She went She went and married the Yavam. This, by the way, is the, the opposite scenario from the case before where she went ahead and married Lashuk. Here, she, based on the initial information that first her, husband, first her son died and then her husband died, well, she acted, she acted accordingly and then did Yibum. And then she was told the opposite. What does that mean? That she shouldn't have done Yibum. 
because when, when her husband died according to this approach according to this version her husband died first and then the son so she wasn't eligible for Yibum in fact the relations with the brother-in-law would be an Easter of Ashes Ach that's a um, a um, wife of one's brother she represents the wife of of the brother regarding the Yibum and in a case where there's no mitzvah of Yibum that's an Easter Kores so it's very understandable that we say say she must leave the Yavam she shouldn't have married him the Havlad Rishon Gachron Mamzer another case Omru La Meis Balech a woman was told that your husband died Veniseis she married someone else Veachakach Omru La Kayem Hoyo Umeis when you married the second guy your husband was still alive but afterwards he died Take say, she must leave the second husband. Look, when she married him, she, according to the uh, the uh, latter information, the, hus- the first husband was still alive. So the marriage with the second husband was an illegal situation. She's got to leave him. Vahavlad Horishon, Vavlad Rishon Mamzer, the child that she uh, had with the second husband during the time that the first husband was still alive so that child is an illegitimate child dealing with a child from a, through a married a woman married to a man and her being impregnated by another man that's a, the child that results is illegitimate however a child that she has with that second husband at a point in time that the first husband was already dead so she's not an Ashish anymore hence the child produced is not a mamzer. Omru law meis balech. Before we go further <coughs> uh, in this recording, I'm making a certain assumption that the term mamzer is well known to all listeners. But if you just happen to be a first-time listener, a mamzer is, as we indicated before in passing, a child born from a marriage that is prohibited. And we saw Rabbi Kiva says, even if it's prohibited to the tune of a mere negative command, the resultant child is a mamzer, and such a child is not allowed to marry into a, into a standard rank-and-file member of the Jewish community. He's allowed to marry another like individual, a mamzeres, and possibly there are some other choices that he has, but not a regular Jew. So that the mamzer classification is extremely important in knowing whether or not a person who, who who a person can marry. We continue in the Mishnah. Omru la meis balech. Woman was told her husband died v'niskatsha. She entered matrimony with a second man, but only the betrothal stage. Kiddushin. Kiddushin is the stage at which a man gives the woman money in marriage, but they haven't consummated their marriage through a marriage canopy or intimacy. So this is so what happened as we saw, as we said, a woman was told her husband died and she was betrothed by a second man. And then her husband shows up, the the original husband shows up, Muteras Lachsulo. She can go back to him. Even if the second husband had given her a divorce document, that divorce document is not necessary whatsoever, and she's not 
uh, as a reason, she does not become disqualified from the kahuna. A divorcee is a woman that's prohibited to eventually marry a claim, but this woman receiving the get from the second man under these circumstances, the get was totally unnecessary. As Zudorosh Rebelozer ben Masya, the following uh, was expounded upon by Rebelozer ben Masya, the Isha, Grusha, Meisha. This Posuk is in the context of Kaihanim, where the Posuk says a woman who was divorced from her husband is disqualified from the Kuna. So, who is disqualified? A woman who was divorced from her husband. Velo Meish Sheino Isha. But not a woman who was divorced from a man that's not her husband. In the case featured in the Mishnah, the second man wasn't her husband. The first husband was still alive. We opened the Gemara with an attempt to explain the words Rishon and Achron in the context of the children that were declared as a Mamzer. The, the Mishnah said, Vavlad Rishon Vachron Mamzer. What do you mean by that? Hilemo Rishon equals Lufnei Shmua. The Achron equals the Achar Shmua. He had a uh, married woman uh, who thought she was allowed to marry a second man. So she did. And the Mishnah makes reference to children that she had with the second husband. So if this is the explanation, the child that she had before she heard of her husband's uh, death, and the child that she had after uh, after she heard correction the Gemara means to say means the child that she had before she heard that her husband was still alive and the Achron means after she heard that the husband was in fact still alive well either way uh, uh, both children are Mamzerim because we're working with the assumption now that the husband in fact was alive the whole time Listening, Havlad Mamzer. Why didn't the Mishnah just write Havlad Mamzer? Why the emphasis on first and last? The Gemara answers. It's that's true. It could have written Havlad Mamzer. Mishum de Kaboy Lemisni Seifa. Because of that which appears in the Seifa, the terms Rishon and Achron were used earlier. What does it say in the Seifa? Omru la meis ba'alech venises. A woman was told that her husband died. She went ahead and married someone else. The achakach omru la. Afterwards, she was informed kayem hoya umes. He really was alive when you married the second man, but he has since died. Regarding children that she has with the second man, here, harishon mamzer. The first child that she had before the information came in that he really was finally dead that child was born when the original husband was still alive. So that's a married woman having an adulterous relationship becoming impregnated. That child is a mamzer. However, the child that she had later after the husband in fact was truly dead so that child 
she that if she was impregnated at that point after the husband was in fact really dead, the first husband that is, so that child is kosher. It's not a mamzer. So because in the Seifah, the distinction between Rishon and Achron was was necessary, Tono, Nami, Reisha, Rishon, Vachron, Mamzer. The Reisha also used that terminology, even though in the Reisha case, there was no need for uh, a distinction between first and last. Because in that case, both uh, children were Mamzer. Tonu Rabbonan. Zu Divrei Rabbi Akiva, the uh, first uh, instant, uh, the first example in the Mishnah, which had to do with the uh, Yibum situation. This is a Mishnah that's based on Rabbi Akiva. Shehoya Omer, Ein Kedushin Toifsin Lavin, that uh, a marriage bond does not take hold when you're dealing with a pro- prohibited couple to the tune of a mere negative command. And as a result of the Yavoma uh, Lashuk being prohibited uh, based on a negative command, the child that results would be a Mamzer. So that's Rabbi Akiva's opinion. The Chachomim hold, though, Mamzerus does not result from a woman who is Yavoma bound and marries Lashuk. The Gemara asks, Why don't the Chachomim in this particular source state a more general principle that Mamzerus doesn't result from Chayvelavin, from all negative commands? Why do they uh, state in such a, a uh, focused fashion that there's no Mamzer from a Yavoma? Uh, that, by the way, leaves room to think that from a uh, Yavoma Lashuk, uh, that a man should not marry, a woman who's bound to a Yavom and he's an outsider and marries her, so he's violated a negative command, but if you focus it this way, by saying Ein Mamzer Me Yavoma, you're leaving room to think that there is Mamzerus from other kinds of Lavin. So more, in fact, says if you're going to ask why doesn't it say Ein Mamzer Chai Lavin, because high Tano, the uh, Chachomim featured in this Tanaic source, Hach Tano the Rebbe Akiva Hu. It really is an alternative version of Rabbi Akiva. The Tanaic source we just read opened up with a, with we'll say Rabbi Akiva version one, which says across the boards there's no Tfisis Kedushin with Chayvelavin, but there's another opinion within Rabbi Akiva. And what is it? The Omar Mechayve Lavin de Sheer Have Mamzer. Mechayve Lavin Gredi Lo Have Mamzer. Those kinds of relatives that are, pro- that are prohibited by virtue of a negative command. The example that Rashi cites is a woman raped by one's father, according to the Tana Rebuda, who says that a son cannot marry a woman raped by one's father. And if one does, so he's in violation of a negative command. But that's 
a negative, a negative command relationship that's based on relatives. It's one's father, one's father who raped the woman. However, general negative commands uh, prohibited uh, women that are based on a negative command that are not relative related. Example being the Yavama Lashuk, the some outsider who marries a woman who's bound to a Yavam. So it's true that's a negative command, but it's not a negative command of share of relatives. So that, according to this opinion, the second opinion, that does not create Mamzerus. Omar Rav Yehuda, we continue at the top of Omid Beis, Omar Rav. Minayan Shein Kedushin Tavsin Biyavama. Uh, we do have a, a topic heading with a, a structural note because you see the use of a double underline. So we take a look at the side under our Nosei Mivne heading. You'll notice that Rav and Shmuel are highlighted. Shnei Gishos, two approaches, Legabi Kidushin Bivamalashuk. Regarding the outsider who married a woman who was bound to a Yavam. The Yavam, of course, is the surviving brother of a man who died leaving no children. <clears throat> now that outsider shouldn't have married her. What happens if he does? So Larav, we've written on the site, Enom Toifsim Klau. There is no forming of a marital bond between the outsider and the Yavama. Velobaya Filu get Mimenu. She doesn't require even a divorce document from that outsider. The Shmuel is Shmuel is in doubt. Now, what's the basis of his doubt? Mahu kavonas haposuk lo The posuk says that the wife of the deceased who died without children shall not be uh, shall not marry out to a stranger. What does that mean? Lo What is that? Im ein bo he is uh, Shmuel is in doubt as to does it mean that there is no clinching of a marriage? It doesn't. Ein bo havaya. Havaya is the verb form of to be. There is no being of marriage. Or lelav bealma. Shmuel's that's Shmuel's doubt. Or is it a mere negative command that uh, uh, Yevoma, a woman who is bound to the uh, survive to her brother-in-law through the Yibum relationship if she marries outside she's in violation of a negative command but not that the Pusik is coming to tell me that there's no Tfisas Kedushin so now our Gemara continues with Rav at the top line from where do we know that if a woman who is bound to her brother-in-law uh, through a Yibum uh, binding that if she marries an outsider that that marriage doesn't take hold whatsoever Shinema, the Pesach says and Rav understands this to mean there is no marital bond formed between the woman and an czar, a stranger, an outsider so that's what the Pesach is declaring. There is no bond whatsoever. Ushmuel Amar, Be'ani Yosenu, Tzricho Get. Be'ani means in our poverty, 
in our poverty of understanding that we don't know how to interpret that posuk. We don't know how to interpret it definitively. Misafko Shmuel is in doubt regarding what is the interpretation of that phrase, lo Does it come to teach me that there is a negative command involved? Or is it coming to tell me that there is no marital bond formed whatsoever? So that's Shmuel's doubt. Omar le Rav Mori Barochel Ravashi. Hochi Omar Amemar. Hilchaso Kavose de Shmuel. The halacha will follow Shmuel, and the result of that would be that the uh, Yevoma Lashuk, when she marries that outsider, and it turns out that she should not have done so, she requires a divorce document from that outsider. Now that that has been said, and the fellow from the outside, from the shuk, gives her a get. If the brother-in-law that she is supposed to marry happens to be a Kohen, and now she's become disqualified because she received a get. Cholet's law. The Kohen does chalitza, the, bro- the brother-in-law Kohen does chalitza with her. Vesharya lay. And then the woman becomes muteres to the fellow that she had married, the, the fellow Minashuk. The Gemara asks... Isguri Iskar. This is an expression that means is he to be rewarded? According to this ruling, here you have a man that originally married her improperly, illegally. She was Yavomalashuk. And now we're uh, we're making a provision for her to be released by the Yavam. And she goes back to the guy from the Shuk. But that guy from the Shuk had done something wrong initially. So, we have an, uh, an upgraded version of Ravashi. Ella, im hoya yevomo Yisrael, if the brother-in-law happens to be a Yisrael, no sane law shani get. The fellow from the Shuk that married her improperly he should give her a divorce document. For Hutra Lo, and she becomes Muteras to the Yavam. Omar of Gidol, Omar of Chia, Bar Yosef, Omar Rav. Yavoma, a Yavoma with regard to an outsider, Kedushin Einba, Nisuin Yeshba. So, Kedushin Ein that fits in with what Rav himself had said at the top of the Omid, that there is no Kedushin. That's, uh, there's no betrothal that can be achieved between an outsider and a woman who's bound to a Yavam. However, the second statement, Nisu and Yeshba, that's very difficult to understand. 
the uh, Rashi Nisu and Yeshba Kosakadai, the Rashi, the upper part of the narrow line, says the thinking right now is the Inyan get the Nisei Slazar Sheomru Law Meisbalech. If this woman who uh, was informed that her husband died, Viachakach Benech, she was told that her husband died and then her son. She, that's what she thought. And what did she do? She then went and married some outsider. And then it was told that she's still bound to the oven because first her son died and then the husband died. So we say that Nisu and Yeshba that she'll need a get. Means if she went ahead and consummated a marriage with an outsider, she'll need a get. The Gemara asks, E Kiddushin Einbaugh, if there's no marital bond formed at the Kiddushin level, then Nisuanami Einbaugh, there's no Nisuan either. And as a result, there's no need for a divorce document. Amor. So rather, we have to restate what is Rav Gidol teaching us. Rather, Kiddushin Unisuin Ein Ba. That in fact, in line with Rav's original teaching that there is nothing that is bound or formed between the outsider and this woman who is still a Yavama. There's no Kiddushin and there's no Nisuin. And she departs from that outsider when uh, when it's revealed that she's still a Yavoma, she simply walks away from the outsider. Another approach is to explain what did Rav mean when he says that there is Nisuin. Biznus. Kedarav Hamnuna. That if the outsider simply gives her money in marriage so that does that has no effect. However, if the outsider has intimacy with her, that's what's alluded to by the term nisuin, so then there, that does take hold. Business. Now, takes hold with regard to what? So the infer, ikr, the ikr is in the, uh, in, in actually in Rashi and also in the Hemshech of the Gemara, biznus, it means it's viewed as an act of znus, and this has ramifications based on Rav Hamnuna's teaching a woman who was in fact bound to a Yavam and she went and had uh, and she did an act of harlotry with an outsider Asura she cannot do Yibam with the actual Yavam Rav Hamnuna views a a Shemeris Yavam a woman waiting for the Yavam as if she is married to him, in this sense, that just like a married woman who has znus is forbidden uh, to her husband, so too the Shemer Siovam that conducts herself in that way has znus, she becomes pro- prohibited to the Yavam. And that's all alluded to in this expression, Nisuin Yesh Ba. Nisuin Yeshba. Now, by saying Nisuin Yeshba, as we explained earlier, the thinking had been that that means that if she, even though there was no initial consummate, there was no initial uh, marriage uh, uh, created by the giving of money, but if she 
consummates the marriage. She, uh, she consummates, she has intimacy with that individual. She'll need a divorce document. The Michlifa Beisha Shaholach Bailo Lemedinas Hayam. Because this case can be confused with the woman whose husband went abroad. And in that case, we explained that if she went ahead and married a second man, she's going to need a get from the second man because of what people might think. People might think that she was divorced by the first husband and was legitimately married by the second husband. And if they see her leaving him without a get, they'll think that married women can leave marriages without a get. So, uh, because in that case we require a get, in this case as well, uh, the Shemeris Yavam that um, that uh, has intimacy with some outsider, we require of him as well to give her a get. Let's just take a look at the Rashi, Kede Omar Meikora, Nisuin Yesh, get, that she needs a get from the fellow, uh, that the outsider that married her. That's not a reflection on a marital bond of having taken hold. But rather the Mafkis law below get, if you free her from the second husband without a get, people will come to think also, uh, that a woman who, who had got word that her husband died and because of the testimony of one, a singular witness, that she can leave the second husband without a divorce document. And in that case, we said, we don't want that happening. Because of what we explained before, but in the minds of people, the woman was thought to have been divorced by the first husband and married legitimately by the second husband. And if she leaves the second husband without a get, people think that married women can leave marriages without a get. We turn back to the Gemara, and on the side we have a no say a topic heading. In the course of the Gemara, there's a certain a certain sense of uh, progression with regard to the names that are featured and the understanding of the Gemara. So the Gemara will open up with Rabbianai, and Rabbianai says bechabura nimnu v'gamru ein kedushin toisin biyavamaloshuk. Rabbianai opens up with. Uh, a report that it was decided by the uh, by the Tamidi Chachamim that there is no Tfisus Kedushin when you're dealing with a Yavoma a woman bound to a Yavam who marries an outsider Rabbi Yochanan enters the Gemara and says he will tell us that what you are telling us isn't, isn't really big news it's already in our in, in the Mishnah Rish Lakish, he comes to explain the Mishnah differently. And he says that the Mishnah is really according to Rabbi Akiva that says there's no Tfisis Kedushin with Chayve Lavin. But to, uh, to think that our Mishnah represents an opinion that says there's no Tfisis Kedushin with Yavam Shuk something that uh, and, and to present that as something that everyone would agree with that's not true 
the Mishnah simply reflects the opinion of Rabbi Akiva that there's no Tfisus Kedushin with Chayvei Lavin. Bahem Sheikh Agamora Todun Bushidas Rabbi Akiva, and the uh, as the Gemara unfolds, the Gemara will will be analyzing Rabbi Akiva's opinion. Legabi Haknos Dvorim Shelobali Olam, the ability of of, uh, of transferring ownership of things that haven't come into existence yet. Now, how in, how does that play a role in our Gemara? Of course, we have to wait to the, for the Gemara to uh, unravel. So we turn to the Gemara. Omar Rabbi Bechabura Nimnu Vigamru. The word Chabura indicates a, a group, an assembly. So it was it was decided upon in the assembly of uh, sages and now that that c- conclusion is based on what we saw earlier Rav pointed this out at the top of the Yomid that the the Losia expression means there is no Havaya nothing takes hold when an outsider attempts to marry a woman who is bound to a Yavam Omar Lei Reb Yochanan Rabbi Yochanan addresses Rabbi Yana. He says, Rabbi, Rabbi, Rabbi Yochanan, what, Rabbi, Rabbi Yanai was the teacher of Rabbi Yochanan. He says, he says, Rabbi, he says, Master, teacher, he says, Lo Mishnosenu Hizu. Is this not, in fact, what our Mishnah is saying? This non? Oimer Liisha. And I should have been a little more accurate. It's not our Mishnah per se. It's our Mishnah in the sense of our Mishnayis. It's a Tanaic source. It's a Mishnah that's found elsewhere. But it says in the Mishnah, one who says to a woman, A man is a Gentile, or the woman is a Gentile. And he declares marriage to her after he converts, or after she converts. If he's a slave, he says, I, 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 be, I am marrying you uh, for it to take hold after I am freed. If she's a bondmaid, he says, take this money in marriage uh, to uh, to uh, take hold after you are free. Imagine a, uh, a man approaching a married woman and saying, I'm marrying you, uh, I'm uh, giving you this money uh, in order for you to be married to me after your husband dies. Or a man who's married to a woman, and he, the man approaches his wife's sister. And he says, I want you to be married to me uh, upon the death of your sister. Your sister is, re- is really my wife right now. I can't marry you when I'm married to your sister. So he says, I'm, I'm marrying you. Uh, to, f- um, I'm, I'm offering you marriage to take hold after your wife, i.e. my sister, dies. Ola Achar. Now here we want to take special interest, we want to focus on this because our topic right now concerns Yavoma. A man offers marriage to a woman saying, I want you to be married to me after the Yavam does Chalitza with you, after he frees you. Eino Mekudeshis. She is not married the married all of these in all of these cases the marriage will not take hold and rashi explains since he cannot marry her now 
since there's no Tfisas Kedushin right now, so it cannot be set up to take place after a while either. Things that can be done now, so you can stipulate, let it take place later on. But things that cannot take hold right now, you cannot stipulate that it should take place later on. This is, a, this, is a, this is explained in Rashi. Let's look at it together. Rashi, toward the lower part of the Rashi commentary, Eino Mikudeshes, Kevon Dahashto Lo Tapsi Bokidushi, since right now there would be no Tfisas Kidushin. So likewise, afterwards, it can't take hold. Uh, let's read that again. Kevon Dahashto Lo Tapsi Bokidushi, Le Kame Nami Lo Tapsi. Uh, later on as well it cannot take hold you cannot transfer ownership or create ownership over something that hasn't come to be so if it's an issue of let's say conversion right now the person is non-Jewish he's, he's, not, he's not Jewish now so he can't create a marriage between himself and a Jewish woman the marriage, or I say his conversion is something that hasn't come to be yet. The uh, case of the woman who's bound to a Yavam, she's right now bound to the Yavam. The outsider can't right now marry her. And that is, here you have a Mishnah that is in effect saying there is no Tfisis Kedushin uh, with a Yavama. It means the outsider who tries to marry her right now, nothing will take hold. And since nothing takes hold immediately, you can't stipulate it to take hold later on. Well, you can see then from this Mishnah that very principle that Rav Yane says that they had decided upon. It might be understood that what do you need them to decide upon something that's already stated uh, 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 emphatically uh, or obviously in the Mishnah. That there's no Tvises Kedushin there's no uh, a marital bond formed between an outsider and a woman who is Shomeres Yovam Omar Lei Rav Yanai says back to Rav Yochanan Ilav Dedaloi Lo Chaspa and here we'll, we'll first offer a literal translation he says if I wouldn't have picked up the shard Mi Mishkachas Marganisa to say would you have found the pearl lying underneath what Rav Yanai is saying if I didn't tell you that a decision was made declaring that you would not have learned that that is what the Mishnah is saying. What would you have thought? So here we look at Rashi. If I hadn't told you that it was decided that there's no Tfisis Kedushin with the Yavom HaLashuk, it wouldn't have occurred to you the taimo mishum the kidushi hashtahu. You wouldn't have understood this case of the avoma lashuk as a result of the inability of kedusha to take hold to take hold right now. So what would you have thought? Elo mishum. You would have thought the ein makne dover shelo bali olam. You would have thought that things that are stipulated to take place in the future, those type of stipulations, uh, if, if they concern matters that haven't come to be yet, it's a Dovashal Abolyolam, 
that those kind of stipulations simply do not create acquisition, even if it's with regard to a, a, a matter that you can control right now. So that you would have said that in the, uh, the last case of a man offering Kedushin to a woman uh, saying, Well, the Yavim hasn't done uh, he hasn't done chalitza yet. So the chalitza is a dover shalobali olam. So the Mishnah ruled Eina Mekudeshis. On what grounds? Because of that. You can't uh, create acquisition uh, if it's stipulated upon circumstances that haven't come to be yet. Even though if a man had been her right now the Kedushin would have taken hold. So if Yane comes to say that, don't, don't think like that. And therefore, if I hadn't picked up the shard, you wouldn't have discovered the, that very point, that Kedushin with a Yavom Alashuk does not take hold right now. Omer Lei Reish Lokish. Reish Lokish turns to Rabbi Yochan and he says, He loved the Kalsuch Gavarabo if a great man, a reference to uh, Rabbi Yanai, he, if he hadn't praised you, uh, in other words, if he hadn't uh, strengthened your position, uh, I would have explained this source, the source that uh, featured a, uh, a man offering Kedushin to a Yevoma, and it said in the source, Eina Mekudeshes, I would have said, Masnisen Rebbe Akiva, that Tanaic source is in accordance with Rebbe Akiva, Diyamar Ein Kedushin Toysin Bechayve Lavin. That when you're dealing with pro, uh, relationships that are prohibited to the tune of a negative command, so the marital bond does not take hold. And an example of that would be a Yavoma Lashuk. But as far as Rishlokish is concerned, that's a singular opinion. That's Rabbi Akiva's opinion. However, as far as we are concerned, it, if you were just, if you had just that Tanaic source, it might very well be that uh, that uh, if someone offered uh, kedushin to Yavam Alashuk, it would take hold. Uh, that that be uh, bear, if that were true, then then there would be all the more necessity for Rav Yanai to tell us that a decision was made saying there's no Tfisa's Kedushin. Because as far as this Tanaic source is concerned, this source is limited to the opinion of Rabbi Akiva. The Gemara asks, and note that this is a uh, question that uh, lasts till the third line from the top of the next Omid. V'i Rabbi Akiva, this source was in fact, according to Rabbi Akiva, if a man says to the woman, I want you to be married to me after the Yavam grants you Chalitza, Kedushin should take hold. We know Rabbi Kiva to have said, People can actually transfer ownership. People can create transactions even concerning things that haven't as yet come to be. 
Tisnan, and here we have an illustration of that. Uh, at the top, we're at the top of Tzadi Gimel of an Aleph. Chinam Shani Oiser Lepicha. A woman uh, vows that uh, whatever she produces will not will uh, will will not be permitted to her husband. So, ain't sarach lahafer. The the Tanakhama says the husband doesn't even need to uh, annul such a vow since she is bound previously. She's bound by law to provide her profits to her husband. She can't make a vow to counter that. Rabbi Akiva Omer Yafer. Rabbi Akiva says that the husband should annul that vow. Shema Tadifalov Yoiser Minoroi Lo. She might produce more than the husband has coming to him. Regarding that extra amount, so that in fact she's not bound to provide to him. And if the vow is maintained without his annulling it, that extra will be prohibited to him. But what do we see from this example? We see that Rabbi Akiva is viewing as a reality something that hasn't come to be yet. She hasn't produced the profit yet. She hasn't produced the income yet. And yet, Rabbi Akiva is viewing it as if it is there. So that it shows us that a person does have control over matters that haven't come to be yet. The Gemara responds and says this does not show Rabbi Kiva to hold that Rav Huna explained that Tanaic source with the vow taking where that woman was actually saying my hands shall be sanctified and the term sanctify in effect is saying off limits to you the husband that I want my hands to be sanctified with regard to the production the work production the odayim isnuba since the focus of her vow was on not the profit per se but the focus of the vow was on her hands so her hands are around isnuba they are around and as a result of this interpretation, Rebbe Akiva will be of the opinion that Ein Odom Makne Dovar Shelo Bali Olam. And uh, as a result of that, this is, of course is our response to the question. The question having been, well, if the source were according to Rebbe Akiva, shouldn't the example of Lachar Shiachlotz Yivmech yes take hold? We answer no. In order for that to take hold, you'd have to say the chalitza not having taken place yet. That's a dovar But Rabbi Akiva, in fact, will tell you that ain adam makne and therefore such a condition of be married to me at a, at a time after the chalitza is done. It doesn't take effect, and that's what the source said, Ainal Mikudeshis. And by by saying that, of course, we're able to preserve Reshlokish's approach that said that that source was in accordance with Rabbi Akiva.
Upligo de Rav Nachman Bar Yitzchak. That which we said just now, that Rabbi Kiva represents an opinion of Ein Odo Makna Dover this approach is at odds or uh, uh, differs than Rav Nachman's approach. The Omer of Nachman Yitzchak. He now is going to list off uh, a number of great rabbinic figures that uh, that follow Rabbi Akiva in saying that Odom Makne Dovar Shalom and here we we have to highlight Rabbi Akiva. His name will be dashed underlined a little bit later. Along with the phrase of Odo Makna Dover Shalom So according to Rav Nachman Yitzhak, Rabbi Kiva is associated with the stance that a person can transfer ownership, can create transactions concerning uh, things that have not come to be yet. In, in English, in, in the financial markets, you might classify this as the realm of futures. The uh, the, let's read this now in the Gemara, the list, and with that we'll, we'll uh, end our shir. Upliga de Rav Nachman bar Yitzchok, as we said. Uh, truth be told that this is the beginning of a very long point, but just to finish this particular idea, we'll read the next couple of lines. As we said, positioning Rabbi Akiva as holding Ein Odom, Makna Dover Shalom, is at odds with Rav Nachman bar Yitzchok's approach. The Omer of Nachman Yitzchok. Rav Huna Kiraf. Verav Kurabianai, Verbianai Kurbichia, Verbichia Kurebi, Verebi Kurebi Meir, Verbi Meir Kurbelozer Bena Yankiv, Verbelozer Ben Yankiv Kurebi Akiva, each one follows his predecessor, ultimately leading up to Rabbi Kiva, that say the Omar Odom Makne Dovor Shalobolim. A person can transact something that has not come to be, hasn't entered the world yet. What the Gemara will do, but it's beyond the scope of our Dafyomi uh, structure, is present each one of these names together with the relevant point of the, of being able to transfer something that has not come into the world. So you can you skim ahead. You can see Rav Huna and Rav and Rabbi. All of them are going to be describing a situation where there's a transferal of ownership or uh, a, a new state is gained over something that has not come into the world yet. Dover Shalom